people will choose their delusion and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I devoted not. All right, thanks. Uh, interestingly, in this verse, uh, in the older version, the King James Version that she was reading out of, he, God, it starts off with God making a choice and saying that what He's going to choose to do is He's going to join us in what we're doing. Okay? Now, that should scare you. Alright? Because that's, that's not good. And He had made that decision based on the choice that the people had made. And this, this verse is all about choices. It's all about us making choices and God making choices. There are consequences to making choices. You know, that's that whole idea of what freedom is, what liberty is. That as we believe that God gives us freedom, we're endowed with freedom by our Creator. And that's just how He made us. That's how that we were created from the very start. So we're given a freedom, we're given a liberty. Uh, you can call that whatever you want. It's free will. You can call it it's us making our choices, doing what it is we're going to do. And we have choices to make. But with choice and with freedom, and you've all heard this before, so I'm not, I'm not trying to, to tell you any new information here, but with freedom comes some responsibility. And with that responsibility, with that freedom, there are certain consequences to the choices that we make. That's just the way it is. That if you've been given the freedom to choose whatever it is you're going to do, you've been given the freedom to say what you're going to say, you've been given the freedom to do what you're going to do, you've been given the freedom to go about the business that you're going to go about, well, there are certain consequences to you making those choices in your freedom. And that's just how freedom works. That's how liberty works. Now, we live in a day and age, and I want you to think about this for a second, where people are afraid of that. They don't like that. They don't like you being able to make choices. So, instead of holding you accountable, or you being held accountable for your choices, they're going to limit your choices. All right, now I want you to think about that for a second. By limiting choices, they're limiting your freedom. Okay? Even if your choices would lead to whatever they might lead to. Let's say your choices will lead you to get hurt. Well, that's your choice to make. Let's say you decide... Uh, you decide one day, all right, well, I don't want to wear my seatbelt in the car. All right, so what are some of the consequences of you not wearing your seatbelt in your car? What would be a consequence of that? Ticket. You get a ticket. Now, why would you get a ticket? Because New York State and other states have legislated that you must wear a seatbelt in your car. And so they've taken away that choice from you. Why did they take that away from you? Yeah. So, safety. For your safety. It's for your safety. 
And I don't know if you've noticed, but the taking away of freedoms and the limiting of your choices is almost always for your safety. Your safety. And when I have someone tell me that, I get really angry. All right? I'm just telling you the truth. I just get angry. And, I've, and I have snapped on people that have said that to me. I said, I don't want you. And it is not your job to keep me safe. It is not. So stop it. I am responsible for my own safety. Don't give me that. Because it makes me angry. Because if I chose not to wear a seatbelt in my car, which I did for half my life, okay? And I hit something and I launched through the windshield. And I'm dead on the street. My choice. It's like every time I ride my motorcycle, my choice. You know there's no seatbelt on my motorcycle? Did you know that? <laughs> there's not. There is not a seatbelt on my motorcycle. And if I hit something with that motorcycle, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go, you're going to go off it somehow. I mean, I slid out on that motorcycle going like 30 miles an hour, 35 miles an hour. That's not very fast, right? I slid out on that motorcycle one time. The motorcycle ended up 20, 30 feet away from me. And I was laying on the ground. I broke my ankle. I broke my wrist. I had 60 stitches in my face. I broke six of my teeth. My choice. I had a helmet on. My choice, though. I didn't blame anybody. I don't need anybody telling me, don't ride a motorcycle, it's for your safety. It's not their business. And you know what? I healed up, and I got back on the motorcycle, and I rode it again. And I rode it again, and I rode it again, and I rode it again. My choice. My freedom. My liberty. And so I may sound like a crazy person to some of you, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from with this, is that I believe, according to the Scriptures, I believe, that we've been given choices, we've been given freedom. But there are consequences to our choices. And what I was trying to get at with my story is that it has nothing to do, God, it's not God's business to limit your choices for your safety, it's your business. It's your business to make different choices. It's your business to hear His voice. It's your business to listen to Him. It's your business to pay attention to Him. That's your business. And if you don't, there will be consequences to what you do. And it is a mistake on your part to go back and blame God for the consequences to the choices that you make. You are making a mistake by doing that. You're making a mistake blaming God for what you've decided. You're making a mistake blaming God for what the consequences were to your action, to your choice, and to what you've done. You're making a mistake by doing that. You're making a mistake by blaming other people for your choices and the consequences that you face for the choices that you've made. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. All I'm trying to say is the reality of life is that we live in such a way that we have choices to make and there are always going to be consequences to the choices that we make and there's no one else to blame. They're our choice. 
It's my choice. And so we choose, and that's it. We face a consequence. What should you learn from that when you face a consequence to your choice? What's the lesson in that? Blame God so you can feel better about yourself? What's the lesson in that? What is it? Make a better choice. Right. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a mechanism of learning for us as human beings. That when we're children, it's a natural mechanism of learning. In other words, we do something. There's a bad consequence to what we do. I guess I won't do that again. Unless we're particularly kind of stupid, and then we might do it again, which I'm guilty of. And then the next time we face a consequence, maybe I shouldn't do that again. But if we're particularly kind of stupid, like I am sometimes, we do it again, and we face the consequences again, and maybe finally, after the third, fourth, fifth, whatever time it is, we look at it and we say, mm, I don't want to do that anymore. And the mechanism of learning and growth and change works. That's how it works. So you look at a passage like this in Isaiah 6.6.4, and what you're looking at here is a mechanism of learning and change. And you're hearing God talking about this. He's talking about this idea of us making a choice. All right? We got the freedom. We make a choice. But then He makes a choice. And then we suffer the consequences for our choices. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And you can look at this verse and say, well, that's mean. No, it's not, actually. No, it's not. It's how we were designed. It's the way that we were created. And after the fall, we went about and through this process of learning about how to do things and how to live and how to get along and how to go about our lives on this earth. How to grow our own crops. How to herd our own animals. How to take care of things that need to be taken care of. And that was the process of growth. And there were some people during that process that learned the hard way. You didn't do certain things. And, and it may have happened to you or it may have happened to your neighbor, but you observed it and you saw it and you said, I guess I won't do that. You know, like what? Like get under the cow when you milk her. Okay, you may not want to do that. Alright, my neighbor did that and they got trampled to death. Okay, I learned from that. I'm not going to do that. So let me think of a different way to do this. I'll come from the side. Let's see what happens. Alright. And I know that sounds silly, right? But I mean you think about like how we as a people would have to learn how to go about our lives. Well, we do that. We do that. When you have kids, you try to teach them as much as you can. And if you're a parent, you understand this. Like, you teach them, you teach them, you teach them, you tell them, you tell them, you tell them, but there's just certain things they're gonna do and they're gonna have to learn themselves. That's the way it goes. And nobody likes to see that, especially mom. You know, and, and you can sit there and tell me, oh, there's no difference between moms and dads. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There is definitely a difference. At least in my life, there is. You know, I, you know I've got mom out there. Oh, you, you got to stop them. I'm out there like, ah, they'll learn. <laughs> oh, I can't believe this is out. Yeah, yeah, it'll be all right. You know, playing sports, going out, playing in the yard, going out and doing something else, riding a bike. You name it. It's like, how many things can you get hurt doing? Like, like everything, right? You get hurt doing everything. And, and, but allowing 
a child to go out there and experience it and figure it out as they go. You know, like, I'll do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'll try that, but maybe not that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I won't do that again. That experience and, and that learning is invaluable as they grow up and they begin to move into their lives. It's okay. That's why it's good to have that balance. It's good to have a balance of let them go and, well, don't let them do that. Okay. Not yet. So the King James Version talked about our delusions. And it was an interesting word there because it's our deceptions. It's our... Uh, the, the idea behind that word delusions or whatever word is in the newer versions is, is the thought of the turnings and windings of fortune. What do I mean by that? Like luck. Kind of that, that godless, oh yeah, stuff just happens kind of thing. Like, like why did this calamity just come upon me? I don't know. I bet you do. <laughs> but you can delude yourself that, oh, it's just bad luck. Oh, okay. Or, or yeah, I don't know why that happened. You probably do, but you don't want to face it. And we look at that and we begin to interpret life and we begin to d- interpret our history like that. Like our personal history. Our lives like that, like, well, good luck here, bad luck there, oh, I don't know what happened. Well, there's likely reasons why certain things happen. There's likely choices that were made. And you look at those choices and that's why certain things took place. But if you're going to live your life in such a way where it's like, well, I don't know, or I guess it was just bad luck, what are you going to learn from that? I mean, you think about that. What do you learn if the way that you're living your life is, well, I guess it was just bad luck, instead of taking responsibility for your own choices and your own actions? If you're just going to live in that, well, I guess it just happens. Whatever happens, happens. I guess that was, you know, bad luck. What are you going to learn from that? Nothing. Nothing. Because you take no responsibility for your own existence. You take no responsibility for your own life. You take no responsibility for choices that you make. You take no responsibility for anything. So how do you learn from that? You don't. What you really see there is, well, uh, I guess things just happen. Well, that's not necessarily true. And much of the time, and I know the Bible says time and chance happen to us all, and I do believe that. You know, because like, I believe if you roll dice and they come up, you know, a three and a two, that doesn't necessarily have any meaning. I believe that whatever card you draw out of the deck that doesn't necessarily have any meaning. I believe that there's lots of things that happen that are time and chance in our lives. But there are other things, other, other, other consequences that we face in our life that literally do have to do with our, our decisions, that literally do have to do with the choices that we make. And we need to be aware of that because otherwise we're living in a childishness where there's no cause and effect in the world. It's just, well, whatever. Well, that's childish thinking. It's childish thinking to think that, you know, well, I guess just bad luck. And you may not have been brought up to think of that as childish, but it is childishness. And you kind of understood that at least a number of years ago that, that we do have choices to make. We do have consequences 
to our actions and to our choices. And to be able to take responsibility for that and live in that. That's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to change. You see, it's childish to think otherwise. It's childish to deceive ourselves, to live in that kind of calamity that says, I can do anything I want and nothing will ever happen. That is childish. And you may have been 17, 16 years old and believe that. It's time to grow up. Because you're not 16 or 17 anymore and there are consequences to your actions. I bear in my, my physical body the consequences to my actions when I was 16, 17 years old. I can literally tell you places in my body that hurt and I can tell you why. Because of choices that I made. And they weren't good choices. But they were choices. It seemed like the thing to do at the time. And it seemed pretty cool at the time. Hey, watch this. Yeah. And then, ow. But it wasn't bad luck. You, you follow what I'm saying? Like I, I don't start falling apart physically because of bad luck. My joints didn't start hurting me and I didn't require three surgeries on my joints because of bad luck. It's not bad genetics. It's not bad luck. Okay? It's choices that I made. And I bear the consequences of the choices that I made. I'm okay with that. But I think I learned something. And I think I, I look back on that and I learned a few things. And, and it directly affects how I train people. And it directly affects how I speak to people about some of the activities that they're engaging in. And they may not listen to me, but at least I can at least speak to something and say, you might want to make a different choice. Because here's what happened to me. Because I made that choice and I got hurt because of it. But if I never take responsibility, how do I know that? If I live in a childishness, a, a calamity of doing things my way with no consequences, how am I ever going to learn from that? Not only to learn from myself to grow up, but also to help other people when I have an opportunity to speak into their lives too. I can't. Somebody look at Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. And verse 32. Romans It doesn't matter what he's talking about. What, what you need to hear from that is that we have choices to make. And, and God speaks to our choices. He gives us insight. He gives us understanding. He speaks into our choices. He reveals His will, His purpose, His plan. He's all about it. And this verse speaks to that. It says, you know, you know God says that these are bad choices. God says these are the wrong things to be doing. God says that you shouldn't be engaging in these activities. And what does the Bible say? People do what they want. And they have to face the consequences to what they're doing. So, 
we make a choice, and when we make a choice that does not delight God, hear me here, we make a choice that doesn't delight God, then God makes a choice that doesn't delight us. Right? Okay. All right. I mean, I don't know how you're not okay with that. I make a choice, clearly, doesn't delight God, so he makes a choice, doesn't delight us. And there we are. Suffering is a consequence of our choices. And, and part of it is that we get deceived by our own vain confidences in something. A lot of times we have vain confidences in ourselves, like in our ability or our smarts or our experiences. Or we have vain confidences in, in what we can do, like overestimating what we can do or overestimating you know, what we understand. I mean, it's almost epidemic. Like it's a, it, these vain confidences, this misplaced belief in what? Well, in anything. Say, well, I think I can do that. Why? Why? What gives you that impression? Well, I just do. If you ever catch yourself saying that, you might want to hang on a second. And you might want to think about that. Is that a vain confidence? Why do you believe you can do that? Oh, I just do. That could be, and very well may be, a vain confidence. It may be a misplaced belief in something that's not real. And there's lots of things like that. There's lots of delusion that we carry in our lives. And we need to understand that we carry a certain amount of delusion in our lives. We have a desire to shape our own future. We have a desire to carve our own path. We have a desire to make our own way, most of us. And because of those desires and because of those things that we want to do, we allow for a certain amount of delusion in our life. And we all carry a little bit of that delusion in our life. Be careful. Just be careful. Because it's those delusions, that delusion that leads us into that deception, that vain confidence. And that's a hard thing to show somebody. Right? As an outside person trying to show somebody, it's really hard to show them that. But you know what? If you put yourself in a position to be able to see it, you're going to have an easier time seeing it than somebody's going to have showing it to you. And that's why I'm really teaching this part of this, is I want to encourage you to find it. I want to encourage you to see it. I want to encourage you to question those things in your life. And remember the warning sign. Why do you think you can do that? Well, I just think so. Well, alright. Question that. Why do you believe you're able to do that? Well, I just believe it. Question that. Because very well, that's a, that's a vain confidence. That is delusional in some way, shape, or form. There's a verse here, and in this verse it says this, says that God brings on what we dread or fear. There's a verse in Job that also says that. And I can remember years ago, I was, at a, I was preaching at a conference, and we used to do this... Uh, 
in between semester conference in January, way back in the day, and we were hosting it down here at the University of Sheridan in Syracuse, and we had people from all over the state. And I, and I don't know why, I just I felt like God brought this verse up. And, and all I did, I just talked for like an hour and a half on God bringing about what we fear and talking to people about fear in our lives and how when we carry fear and we allow space for fear in our lives, in other words, it's our pet fear. It's our, it's our fear that we hold on to, that we allow for. It's that fear that, that we, we hang on to. But when we carry that, that we, we bring about uh, a situation where it's going to come to pass. Because with that choice that we make to carry that fear, that choice that we make to entertain a spirit of fear in our lives, which is really what we're doing, is we're entertaining a spirit of fear in our life. And we know God says He's not given us a spirit of fear. But He's instead given us all the things that we need in order not to live with a spirit of fear in our life. So a spirit of fear in our life is a choice that we make because God has made provision otherwise for us. And so if we're going to entertain that spirit of fear, we are making a choice that doesn't delight God. It doesn't. So He makes a choice that doesn't delight us. You know what His choice is? His choice is is that fear is going to come upon us. And we don't like that. But that's because of our choice. So, when I want you to think about that, there's an example in the Bible, like an easy one, <coughs> to understand to hear. Uh, somebody look at John uh, chapter 11. John 11, uh, verse 48. All right, so you have the Jewish leaders trying to figure out what to do about Jesus. All right? And they have a fear. Do you hear what their fear is? What's the fear? Yeah, so if we let this go, then the Romans are going to come and they're going to take away our nation and they're going to destroy our temple if we let this go. That's their fear. You hear it? So what do they do? They get rid of Jesus. And what happens? The Romans take away their country and destroy the temple. This is a clear example and a a fulfillment of this prophecy. There's a clear fulfillment of this prophecy from the Scriptures. What they feared came upon them. Right? Because they made a decision. They were entertaining the spirit of fear. They couldn't hear anything that was being said. They couldn't hear anything that was going on around them because of this fear. And so they acted in this fear and made a choice God did not delight in. Right? So God made a choice 
that they didn't delight in. And their fear came upon them, their dread came upon them. And everything they feared took place and was done. Right, so that that's just an example. An example. Somebody else look at Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians two eleven. Alright, so if you read the context of the verse, you can read it there, but it's clear that this delusional state is something that is gonna and is taking place. And that's what I want you to hear from that verse. Is that this delusional state, in other words, people are making a choice. Whatever that choice is, but they're making that choice. They've been making that choice for 2,000 years. However long people have been existing, they've been making that choice. But they're making their choices. And so, that doesn't delight God. And so, God makes His choice, which doesn't delight them. And they end up in this delusion. And because they end up in this delusion, what they're fearing and what they're dreading is coming upon them. And they're facing the consequences of their fear, of their dread, and of their decisions, and they're living a lie. And the basis of the lie is, I can do it on my own. I control my own destiny. I'm in charge. I'm the one. And all of that is a delusion. It's a delusion. All of it. And so what you see is God's response to this. And He says it in this verse. He's like, I called. In other words, He initiated, right? And then He says, I spoke. So, so he's initiating. So even in the midst of all of this, even as we're, we're looking to make our decisions, even as we're looking to make our choices, even as we're living our lives and the freedom that God's given us, the liberty that He's given us, He's the one that's initiating conversation. He's the one that's initiating instruction. He's the one that's initiating what we need to hear. He's the one. It's not like we have to even go to Him and beg for it. He's initiating speaking to us. He's initiating His call over our lives. He's the one initiating. We have to actively ignore Him or say no to Him in order for any of this to even begin to take place. This has so much to do with our response to Him initiating in our life, our response to Him speaking, our response to Him calling in our life. It has so much to do with that. Those choices that we make to ignore Him, and I mean, it's not just once either. He's speaking. It's not just once. He's calling into our life. He wants us to respond. That's His desire. He wants us to hear Him. That's His desire. And it's important for you to see in this verse that He's the one that is initiating all of this. All of it. He's the one trying to get our attention. He's the one that's speaking into our lives. He's the one that's giving instruction. I mean, when it talks about the call, it's like He's calling. He's initiating that call. And it's a call to what? To change. It's a call to repentance. It's a call that, hey, you need to change this in your life. 
And so we have an opportunity, consistent opportunity to change. Consistent. And so the first step in the learning process that God has brought into our lives is the opportunity He gives us to change through hearing His call in our life and heeding His voice. It's obedience. Simple obedience. And so the first layer that God has designed for you to change, the first level that He's designed for you to be made different in your life and to make better choices, good choices, and to follow after His will and purpose for your life is that He speaks into your life and He calls you into that change. That's the first layer. And so you have the opportunity to hear what He says and obey. That's your opportunity. And you can do that. No heartache, no fuss, no muss. So what's the lie of the devil? The lie of the devil is repentance is a bad thing. That's a bad word. I'm serious. If you were brought up in the church, repentance is a bad word. But it's not. It's the good word. It's our opportunity. It's the good thing. And then how has the devil twisted that into something bad? How? How in the world do you take that opportunity of interacting with God? How in the world do you take His gracious offer to hear Him and change and be instructed and to be better on the other side of it? How do you take that and twist that into something that's bad? But He has. And... and the church believes it. You can't use the word repent. You know, people start twitching when you say that. Yeah, there's a reason because they've been deceived by the devil. That's what's happened. Because God initiates the call to repentance as the first layer and opportunity for change in our life. And that's a good thing. It's not till we ignore that. It's not till we don't answer that. It's not till we actively disobey that call that we begin to see our choices having consequences in our life. That comes after. You see, that that's that's after that. And and so we have this gracious opportunity. Hey, hey, Andy. You need to stop doing that. You know, I'll give you the power and I'll put it in your heart to change that. Come on. Let's get some change in your life. That's so much better than facing the consequences of my stupidity and my disobedience. The the people's lives that are hurt because I can't, I don't want to listen. My life that's hurt because I, I just don't want to do what he wants me to do. You see, that those are real consequences to my decision to not take him up on how nice he is and, and the grace that he gives me and the opportunity he gives me to change at his word and by his voice and with his help. And so he initiates, says that he calls and he gives us that opportunity to answer in obedience and change in our lives. And then it says that he speaks. Again, he he initiates. He speaks. He's initiating in our life. He's speaking to us. And but he says that the problem is is that no one listens. 
And there's a real problem. Because if you don't listen when he speaks, you cannot hear me. Now, now hear me what I say here. If you don't listen when God speaks, you cannot obey his will. Because you don't know what it is. You can't. You cannot obey the will of God if you will not listen when he speaks. And you can think about, well, how does God speak? In a myriad of ways. But if you are not open to listening to him when he speaks, you cannot obey his will. You just can't do it. And so when you're outside of his will, you're in a delusion. When you're outside of his will, you believe in, oh, I can do it. That's your vain belief. I'll just do it myself. When you're outside of his will, well, I'll, I'll just get the ball rolling because obviously God's a little late again. Yeah. It sounds silly when I say it, but that's the mechanism that pushes you forward. That's the mechanism that gets you going because it ain't happening on your time frame. So, well, I guess I better get this rolling. God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's not even in the Bible. That's, that's Ben Franklin and Poor Richard's Almanac and don't quote that as Bible because it's not. You get ahead of God, you get ahead of His will and you start trying to initiate things yourself because you grew impatient or it just doesn't seem like it or you're living in some vain deceit or some vain confidence, some delusion in your life that, oh, I can do it or this is a good idea or God must want me running ahead of Him. I don't think so. You stop. You need to stop because then there's consequences to those actions because if you do not listen to what God is saying when He's saying it, you cannot obey His will. Therefore, you're going to make bad choices. You're just going to do it because that's all vain confidence and delusion because you'll decide something and you'll do something and you'll start going in a certain direction and you'll start moving in a certain way because that's just human nature and you're going to end up making your choices. And all of that, when we make our choices, understand it is deliberate to disobey. It's deliberate. And you can say, well, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. You see, you understand what I'm saying by that? I didn't know. Oh, it was just a, a toss-up. I didn't know. Oh, it's a matter of chance. That's what happened. That was it. That was all. No, you made a decision. You made a decision not to obey. You made a decision not to listen. You made a decision not to take the opportunity to change. Therefore, you're out of His will. Therefore, you've made your choices. That's a deliberate choice. And therefore, He makes His choices. And that's how it goes. And you can think, well, that's unfair. No, it's absolutely fair. <laughs> it is what it is. Fair indeed. You make your choice, he doesn't like it, he makes his choices, you don't like it. That seems really balanced to me. And he's giving you, he's initiating opportunities in your life so it doesn't happen. He's initiating. He's trying to get you not to do that. So you're, you're dead set on whatever you're dead set on, you're making your choices, he's trying to get you not to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You got a ch chance for change. Come on, make that change. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He's putting his voice into your life. Hey, this is a better choice. This is a better way to go about it. Come on, come on, come on. We're not listening. 
vain confidence, misplaced faith, delusion, illusion. Life is a crapshoot. It's just luck, not luck. Running ahead of God. Guess I'll take care of it myself. Oh, I don't think God's moving in this one. Oh, He doesn't care. Yeah, He does. Yeah, He does. And and so we find ourselves making our choices in a deliberate kind of way. Our way. And I want to end by saying this. It's childish. It's childish. And if you have children, and you know something that you know, and you're trying to tell them this is how it is, and they don't want to hear it, and they're stubbornly sticking to their guns about whatever it is, you see how childish it really is. That kind of childish, misplaced, delusional pride is what you experience when that happens. And that's what God experiences when it happens through us. So I encourage you tonight, and I do want to encourage you with this, that we serve a God who's going out of His way to stop this from happening. He's going out of His way to to speak into your life. He's going out of His way to call you. And, And for some of you, He's calling you now. He's given you an opportunity to change. He's given you an opportunity to make a decision. Now. For others, He's speaking into your life. He's initiating. Speaking into your life. Telling you, this is my will. This is my purpose. This is my plan for you. Now. Trying to keep you out of that bad decision. Trying to keep you away from it. Sometimes He's sending people into your life to speak into your life and to say, don't do that. Well, that's annoying. Yeah, sometimes it is. But, it is sometimes annoying. But it's still God trying to save you from your own prideful choices. And He just keeps after you and keeps after you and keeps after you that way. And I hope somehow, and I know some of the things I said tonight could be taken as harsh, I guess. But I want somehow for you to get in your heart and get in your mind how full of grace and mercy and love God is for you. And He really is. He's just full of so much love for you and He's full of so much grace and so much mercy that He just keeps calling and He just keeps speaking into your life trying to save you from your own childishness. Trying to save you out of your own delusion. Trying to save you out of your your own misplaced faith. That's what He's doing all the time. And we can make a decision to hear Him. We can make a decision to to repent and see it for the good thing that it really is, the opportunity for change. You know, repentance is the opportunity for change without getting hurt. It really is our opportunity. It's the, the opportunity for change without hurting ourselves or hurting somebody else. And we need to seize those opportunities when they come up. Because that's grace and that's love and that's mercy, not only for you, but for people around you that you care about. And that's really what it is. 
And so he's calling. He's speaking. He's giving opportunity tonight so that we're not just rolling into our own crap again. What I could do is just join me in prayer for just a moment. And I, I really believe that God wants to break some lies over us. And, and there are lies in our life and there are delusions in our life. And, and like I said, we kind of entertain some of those. And, and we have our reasons for entertaining those, very human reasons. But uh, really, the spiritual side of us needs to begin to weed through that. The part of us that's connected to the Holy Spirit needs to begin to, to begin to break down those lies and, and the delusion that's in our heart and in our lives. Because I believe God can teach us we don't have to entertain that. That the truth is sufficient. The truth is good. The truth is powerful. Jesus described himself, he says, I am the way. And he's the truth. And he's the life. That is sufficient. And it's powerful. So, Heavenly Father, I, I pray for us tonight that uh, we begin to break, uh, that you would begin to break over our minds delusion in the name of Jesus. I pray that these delusions that we carry, these deceptions, this childish calamity that we allow for in our lives, the turnings and windings of fortune, or luck, or whatever we want to say, I pray that that childishness, that that ambiguous childishness of where do things come from and where do things go, and all of those things would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that as a child, we thought as a child, we acted as a child, we talked as a child, but I pray, God, that as we come into maturity, we would put away childish things. And we would take upon a mind that is more a mind of Christ than the mind of a foolish child. And I pray, Father, that you begin to teach us what that means in our life. That we begin to lay aside the childish thoughts. We begin to lay aside the vain confidences and the misplaced beliefs that we carry in our hearts and in our lives. I pray we would set those aside and I pray you'd fill us with truth because I thank you that your truth is enough. We don't need the lies. We don't need the delusions. We don't need the vain confidences. Your truth is enough. For Father, I pray that you would deliver us from our fears. And tonight I pray... That, that whatever fears that we're holding on to, that we coddle, that we allow for in our life, I pray they would be broken in the name of Jesus. And I pray you would deliver us, deliver us, set us free from fear in our life. That we would release whatever fears that we are holding on to. We would release the fears that we're coddling. We would release the fear that we are making allowance for in our lives and we just let it go in Jesus' name. 
I thank you that you are sufficient in our life, that your perfect love cast out all fear. Fill us with your perfect love, God. I thank you, God, for a sound mind tonight. Thank you, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would set us free from a spirit of fear. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, God, I I ask you that we'd have ears to hear. What are you calling us to tonight? What, What is the place of repentance that you have for us? I pray that we'd find ourselves in it and we'd just do what needs to be done. I pray, God, that change would come into our hearts and our lives tonight before we hurt ourselves any worse or we hurt the people around us. I pray, God, change in Jesus' name. I pray repentance in Jesus' name. I pray a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction in our life. In those areas that you're calling, in those areas that you're, that you're really speaking to tonight, I ask you, God, that we would see change, supernatural change affecting our physical lives, our spiritual lives now. Have your way, God. Have your way. And God, even as we're being set free, we begin to see change. Even as we're set free, we begin to see, God, things released and things gone and things, God, uh, started anew and started afresh. I pray, God, that we'd have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, that as You're initiating, speaking to us, that Your will and Your purposes and Your plans would be revealed and that God would just take hold in Jesus' name. We want to know Your will and we want to obey it. We want to know Your purposes. We want to know Your plans. And we want to obey them in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that we make a deliberate choice tonight toward You and toward Your will for our life, toward Your purpose for our lives and for Your plan for our life in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for us to set aside childishness, vain desires and take upon ourselves your will and your plan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray we start a new time in our life starting tonight. I mean, really, a new time. A new era, a new moment in our life to begin even tonight. Pray God you continue to reveal, continue to speak, God continue to call. I pray we would remain open and sensitive and ready to respond to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying Amen. Amen. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters, 
You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the comunidad. Yeah, see, a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University... UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. You know, yeah. 